Hello, and welcome to People Keep Dying, the podcast where we talk about people who die. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Angela. And welcome back to another episode. Yeah. I hope you guys have had a wonderful week. Uh, Things have been pretty good here. Uh, Right now, uh, I think I am... What am I doing right now? Am I flying right now? No. I don't know. Well, I'm probably in Korea right now. Maybe. One of us is not in this country or on this side of the planet. Uh, <laughs> Same. Both of us wouldn't be in this country. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, I would just be off continent. Yeah, you, you'd be. Yeah, you're going to be on the other side of the planet. Yeah. But that's cool. Because our friendship uh has internet. no bounds that's what we, we have, have the, the internet. internet exactly it's not like pen pals no and more and we have the, we're being brought to you by the power of the internet so it's not an ad yeah this internet. is not an ad. <laughs> <laughs> internet <laughs> people keep dying internet internet all yeah. right you hit those keywords um so i'm just gonna hop into it i think you may know this story i'm not 100 percent sure but you probably do um uh, but on the night of july 1st 2002 Flight 2937 for Bashkirian Airlines was flying from Moscow, Russia to Barcelona, Spain, carrying 60 passengers and nine crew members. Of those 60 passengers, 45 were schooled children on a school trip organized by a local UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, which is an agency within the UN. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, most of the parents were high-ranking officials uh, in Bashkortostan. But I am so sorry to anyone that lives there. You know Bash- what? My story is also going to have a ton of words yeah. I don't, can't say. Bashkortostan. Kortostan. So uh, uh, but okay, anyways, I'm just going to stop. I'm, a, I'm so sorry. With uh, one of the fathers being the head of the committee. Ooh. So this was like... Important kids. These were important people and important kids. Not that um, everyone's not that, yeah, not that. But it was a, it was a, but yeah, it was a plane a, full yeah. of children. Um, and it was being flown by a crew of very experienced pilots. So we had the captain Alexander Gross, um, first officer Oleg Grigoryev, uh, Murat Ikulov. Uh, he is normally the first officer, but he uh, wasn't. Uh, doing his normal role because uh, Oleg was tasked with evaluating Captain Gross on his performance for this flight. So I don't really know why he was doing an evaluation because uh, the captain had like over 12,000 hours. Um, But either way, so there were five people, um, two, a flight navigator, a flight engineer, um, uh, the first officer, Oleg, who was doing the, anyways, I'm sorry. There's a whole bunch of people. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of information in these kinds yes. of stuff. Yes. There's a lot of information with this kind of stuff. So they had like a lot of flights, hours between them. Very skilled group of pilots. There was another flight, uh, flight 611 for DHL, which was a Boeing 757 cargo aircraft. And it was flying from Bergamo, Italy to Brussels, Belgium. And it was being flown by two pilots, uh, British Captain Paul Phillips, who was 47 years old and had 12,000 hours of flight. Uh, so pretty yeah pretty good uh and then canadian first officer brant campioni uh he was 34 years old and had 6600 hours of flying time so like everyone had like so, like thousands upon thousands of hours it was being flown by good people 
So these two aircrafts were flying at their destinations at the same flight level of 360. And despite despite being uh, inside the German border, uh, the airspace they were flying through was being controlled by uh, Zurich, Switzerland, uh, by a private Swiss airspace control company called Skyguard. We don't like Skyguard. Uh, well, Sounds like Skynet. And it's just, it's anything with Sky in the name is, is usually bad. Um, so normally there's uh, supposed to be two workers inside the control room. Uh, but tonight there's, uh, or on this night rather, there's um, only one air traffic controller working. And that was Peter Nielsen. Uh, his coworker was off in another room, apparently resting. Uh, which is completely against regulations, uh, mm-hmm. but was common practice and was usually tolerated by management. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so uh, Peter basically stated that the added workload and delayed radar data uh, was the cause uh, for everything that happened uh, that's going to transpire. So he didn't realize that these two planes were about to fly into each other. Um, and at 11:34 p.m., P- Peter realized that the two dots on the radar were about were getting too close. Uh, so he contacts the passenger plane and tells the pilot to immediately descend to 350 to avoid collision, which the crew listens to. Yeah. However, their traffic con- control, sorry, their traffic collision avoidance system, which I'm going to refer to as TCAS from now on, uh, uh, instructed them to go up. Oh. At the same time. The TCAS on the other plane was instructing their pilots Go to down. to descend. Yeah, uh, and had both planes listened to their automated messages, uh, the following events would have never occurred, and those children would still be alive. Yes. Um, so the Boeing cargo jet followed their instructions and started to descend. So they listened to to their TCAS. Uh, they tried to inform a radio over to Peter, uh, but he was over on station one. Uh, dealing with the passenger flight. And he was telling them to descend, completely unaware that their TCAS system was telling the passenger plane to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, when the crews for the for both planes finally saw each other, uh, which was too uh, late, eight usually. seconds before yeah. collision, uh, the Boeing plane tried to accelerate its descent. Then the passenger plane obeyed the TCAS warnings and started to climb up. Up. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was at two seconds before, but unfortunately it was too late. And at 1135, uh, the two planes collided and the passenger plane basically gets like cut straight down the, uh, straight across, uh, breaks into several pieces scattering everywhere. The nose of the plane falls straight down, uh, while the back end of the plane, cause it had the engines on, was able to keep flying for a little bit, but then eventually stalled and then fell straight down. The Boeing uh, lost 80% of its stabilizer. Uh, the pilot struggled for an additional seven kilometers uh, before crashing into a wooded area. And all of the people on both flights uh, died. The German Federal Bureau of Aircraft Accident Investigations found that the main cause of the collision to be a number of shortcomings on the part of the Swiss yes. air traffic control uh, because there was a whole bunch of fucking shit going on over there and also ambiguities in the procedures regarding the use of TCAS because if they both would have just listened to the automated messages, they would have been able to just yes. bypass each other. But the problem was is that they were both going down at the same time and then it was just like they... I mean, they were going to collide if they kept going down and they were going to... like It was just... It was too late. Apparently, like, um, at the air traffic control systems... 
they're supposed to be like a big warning that like goes off in the building when air when like two planes are about to hit each other mm-hmm. and it's supposed to go off within like two minutes but apparently earlier that day like there was some maintenance being worked on and so that stuff got shut off and oh peter didn't gosh. know that and it was just like he was the only one there he shouldn't have been the only one there and there was like a whole bunch of stuff going on so sky guard uh blamed the russian pilots for the accident even though it's not uh even though it wasn't them they were just like well it's not our fault like they like should have listened to their tcas like um uh but then they have finally accepted full responsibility uh and then they asked the family the victim's families for forgiveness which we're gonna talk about later well they're big Yes. Yeah. They're a big company, uh, but they're no longer there because basically because of this. And um, I mean, those are important people that he killed. Yes. So that's yeah. not um, not. Yeah, they're important it's people, but it's, it's just they were only on, then they offered they paid out compensations to the families of the dead children for 30 to thirty five thousand dollars per child. That's not enough. That is not, yeah, at all. That's not a lot. They're going to say a million because that makes more sense for how important these, like these were important people who had kids and they care about their kids. No. Like to them, you know, like. Yeah, you're about to get more pissed off. Yeah. Okay. So Vitaly Kaloyev was a Russian architect and his wife Svetlana and his two children, Konstantin and Diana, were passengers on flight 2937. Vitaly uh, participated in the search of the wreckage. And uh, while he was searching there, he managed to find a broken pearl necklace that belonged to his daughter, Diana. Oh my God. Then he found her body in the trees. Uh, luckily, her body was still intact as uh, the trees had broken her fall. Uh, Svetlana and Constantine was not as lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Svetlana's body was later found in a cornfield. And Constantine's body was found in front of a bus shelter in town. He hit pavement. Oof. So it was, yeah. It's like, And this is just this one family. There were six, like yeah. 62 people. Like bodies. That's were just one just, plane too, yeah. right? There's two planes. Well, it was 60 it was 60 people, uh, 62 people on the one plane and yeah. then two people in the other. So oh, 64 yeah. people. Um, and uh, like they all fell out of the sky and just started dropping everywhere um vitaly suffered obviously a lot of breakdowns following the accident uh he would later state that he died that day uh he built shrines in his home and basically lived at the cemetery uh constantly sitting by their graves talking to them like i don't think i would have lived yeah i would uh just completely devastated which is like it makes come it's yeah devastated so a year after the accident, uh, Skyguard, because uh, they're going through their whole court thing, uh, they send a, a little letter to uh, Vitaly, and, uh, which basically was just a little agreement that was like, um, we'll pay you $60,000 uh, for the death of your wife and $50,000 for the death of your two children. Uh, and in return, you have to deny any claim to the company Fuck and you. basically say that like, well, we'll pay you. And then you can never come after us for anything. Like, no. because Skyguard knew that they yeah. had yep. up. And, um, this pisses Vitaly off. Why? Rightfully so. Yeah. Like so much. Cause 
he later says that he was like he was infuriated by the fact that they wanted to haggle over the deaths of his children so um now i read one article that said that he had asked for a meeting and had gotten it and then i but like every article was basically talking about how he said that if he had just gotten this meeting then this would have all been avoided but so I don't really know because there's some conflicting reports. So Vitaly is super pissed off. And he hires a private investigator and he gets the address for Peter Nielsen. And on February 24th, 2004, uh, Vitaly heads to Peter's home. And while walking through the neighborhood, a neighbor sees Vitaly looking a little lost and asks him if he can help. Uh, but Vitaly, like he doesn't speak any Swedish because mm-hmm. uh, Peter lived in um, Zurich. And, uh, they, he, so he shows the, the neighbor a piece of paper with Peter's name on it. And the neighbor's like, oh yeah, like he lives over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Vitaly then like walks over to the house and instead of like knocking on the door, he just sits down in the garden, which the neighbor thought was a little weird, but was like, okay, whatever. Uh, a little while later, Peter finally sees like this dude sitting in his garden and he goes out to see what's up. And when he goes out, into the front yard uh peter's two little kids uh follow him along and uh his wife uh said that she tried to call him back when all of a sudden she heard like a kind of scream and when she ran out peter had been stabbed several times uh and died a few minutes later in front of her and her two children uh vitaly was then arrested in charge with premeditated murder mm-hmm. uh and in court when they asked why he did it he said that when the plane crashed and it, when the plane crashed, it ended his life, and he was crushed by the loss of his family. He said that he was infuriated uh, when Skyguard tried to buy off his dead children, and uh, that all he wanted was a meeting. And apparently, so he apparently had asked for a meeting, and they had scuffed him off. Uh, but like I said, there was another article that said that they actually had the meeting, mm-hmm. and in that meeting, um, Peter. Uh, like wouldn't apologize and like because you apologize and you're admitting yeah Yeah. then you're admitting so uh he on 2000 on october 26 2005 he was convicted and he received eight years of prison uh he was released two years later uh and when he returned home uh the crowd swarmed around cheering for him calling him a hero Many Russians believe that he had committed a heroic act by avenging the death of his family mm-hmm. because people were pissed yeah. that the people who actually caused the accident were remaining unpunished. So he, they were just like, you're our hero. I'm not saying you're kill a people, real man, but... but it's like they're Russians, yeah. right? Like it's that Russian, like good for you. Like eye for an eye. And like, you took, you know, you took your family yeah. and then you took, mm-hmm. Yeah. You avenged their their death. So this was uh, a quote from from Vitaly. Um, I don't really take offense to people who call me a murderer. People who say that would betray their own children and their own motherland. I protected the honor of my children and the memory of my children. He's nobody to me. He's nobody to me. He was an idiot, and that's why he paid for it with his life. If he had been smarter, it wouldn't have been like this. If he had invited me into the house, the conversation would have happened in softer tones, and tragedy might not have happened. If you watch it as in a movie, yeah. he, you would definitely be cheering him on. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I could totally see I mean, maybe movie. not so much like the Peter thing. You see of, like, Liam Neeson yeah. playing. But yeah. like you would cheer it if he had killed like the bad guy at Sky Guard yeah. or Sky Guide or whatever 
Skyguard. Um, so like, but then in a movie yeah. platform, they would have yeah. made Peter into a much bigger, and then he would have been yeah. an asshole. Yeah, and then they would have made him into a bad person. Him. But yeah. at the end of the day, like this was someone who was probably overworked at his job. Yeah, and then he was murdered in front of his kids. Yeah, and his and wife. Just, yeah, and his wife. So it's. He like, didn't. He yeah. was an idiot. He didn't deserve. Yeah. He, yeah but he I understand Vitalia being like he, yeah. was, he wasn't anybody. To me. He took my family. Yeah. So while Russia was all like, "Yeah, go Vitalia, you're the man. We love you," and like women were like fawning all over themselves for this guy. Uh, Switzerland was like, no, 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 that's not cool. You can't just come into you killed someone this country and it's uh, killing people. Well, no, it was wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, and they were just, but they put him in jail. But they were like, but it was when they got out of jail and everyone was like cheering for him. They were like, no, 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 that's not cool. So they were like, so they, they asked him to repay the costs of uh, his incarceration, which is $150,000, $157,000. And he was like, fuck you. And mm-hmm. like, apparently a couple years later, he was like traveling through there or whatever. And they detained him. And it was like this whole big thing because he was like, I'm not doing anything. They had to like get a Russian like ambassador to come over and like have him released because like they were like, you owe us $150,000. If you don't, if you don't pay, you you don't get to play in Switzerland. Yeah. And he was like, well, then I guess I just won't come back. Yeah. Um, So anyways, in 2012, uh, he remarries. And on December 25th, 2018, his wife gave birth to twins a boy and a girl who's named Maxim and Sophia. Oh, and uh, Vitaly says that he now has a reason to live again. Yeah. And I just think it's so cute that on Christmas morning, his wife gave him another boy and a girl. Yeah. And I just think that's a beautiful ending to a very sad story because you really sympath- like you, yeah. you, you, you know where he, you can see where he comes from. Like he, he lost fa- his whole yeah, he lost his whole family. Like, so senseless and it's just so like, dumb yeah and then like this and then this fucking company was all just like here we're gonna give you uh i'm glad the company's not around anymore because company yeah. like that still sometimes they stick around yeah especially here where to get government bailouts or ruining whatever they don't care yeah no after a long like court battle and stuff like that they had to and they ended up having to like pay off all of this money and stuff like that they went bankrupt Good. and now they're not there anymore but it's just like i mean I it's like one of those things where it's like why does some private air company have like own the space in Germany like the airspace in Germany that's weird yeah. to me it was the but fact that it's a private I learned that like the mail yeah. system isn't the government either it's a private company is it really yeah I thought yeah. like they were all government but then apparently the government crunch contracts the private company that is really yeah. that's interesting wow that was super I didn't know weird. That. oh my god this is only 20 minutes in that, so that was my super quick story um, um that's not gonna help my story so you're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do a quick episode and you're, uh, <laughs> whoops um yeah so mine has voodoo Vo- i am so down <laughs> i'm so, so down i love voodoo bring it on okay this happens in Malaysia, so I'm going to say all the names wrong. And we try. Total, I'm not even. I can't even say. I'm trying that hard because I'm can't. sorry to the Russians. I, we've we tried this episode 
Spell it like you say it. <laughs> Even though that's totally that's what unfair. That's the shirt that I'm wearing yeah. today. Even though that's totally unfair yeah. to the cultures. But, yeah. you know, because, like, I read... I read like stories in uh, of murders in Vietnam and I'm like, I could never see these names. Like no. it would sound so disrespectful. <laughs> so. I know. And, and like, that's why I don't do certain stories. Cause it's just like, so it's such names. a wonderful story, but I don't want to be disrespectful by yeah. saying it wrong, which sorry, again, sorry, Russians. So this was the, so Nur. Mazna Binti Ismail was born January 15th, 1956 mm. in Kangar Perlis Federation of Malaya, which is now Malaysia. Okay. And she started saying... When did Malaysia become Malaysia if it's now I think, Malaysia? I think it was like in the 1980s, I want to so, say. So, okay, so after she but was guess, born. I guess it's like how Constantinople changed its name to... Yeah, but that else, wasn't right? recent. So there was, it, there's a it's country. because she was just like, she was born like within the last hundred... Oh, Czechoslovakia yeah. is now Republic of... Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she started singing and dancing at a very young age dreaming of one day becoming a star like most little girls yeah she would later meet mohammed nor afandi abdul rahman rahman who i'm obviously just going to call muhammad because that's way too many yeah. names um who so claimed names. who claimed to be her biggest fan he promised to fund her dreams of becoming malaysia's biggest pop star and this, this is the thing i'm gonna call her now because she had a very like, I can't say the name, but I can say this name. She's better known as Mona Fonde, a stage name she took up when she started her pop star career. <laughs> Although her career didn't take off, the couple worked hard and self-produced the studio album Diana in 1987, as well as booking several TV appearances. Ooh. And pop music in Malaysia sounds like. It's like a lot of... like. It's, they're all very similar to here, but I guess like India has like very different pop music. Yeah, but from it's here. just like the music, you know what I mean? I wonder because every country has like their own like music, yeah, instruments. So I don't know. I'll well, I know like in Korea, later. it definitely sounds like you mix like three or four different genres and you smush them together. And <laughs> so it's like you, you hear like so, so many different types of music, yeah, guess, going on. But her most popular song was Ku Nyan Nikan. Lagu Ini, which probably totally said that wrong. <laughs> and I didn't listen to it because she is not a good person. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking she was going to be the victim. When it became her parent, her music career wasn't going to take off after a few years. Yeah. She ditched her pop star career and went to the more obvious, I guess, career path of witchcraft. <gasps> yes. Oh my God, I'm so down for this. All right. She became a BOMO, which is basically a shaman or, you like know, like a witch doctor. A witch doctor. Like a psychic. A local shaman. Ooh. Oh my God, this story is. As, as cop the police. Noise. That's the yeah. police comes. The police. They're coming for you, Angela. They heard. They heard what she said. Yeah, the witchcraft. <laughs> the witch hunters are here. <laughs> they uh, come for us. This career change seemed to be a great idea as a couple started to make way more money than her pop star career, which 
generated no buzz. Yeah. Um, Mona Imagine started, that. Yeah. Mona started to offer her services to upper class society clients as well as politicians. I'm not really sure how she got into contact with them. I wonder if her career as a pop star gave her this like, access yeah. even but though like, she wasn't a but i guess even if you're like a low-level pop star you have some recognition in yeah. comparison to zero i mean but what is she saying that she's a witch, witch doctor of did we get into that she, yeah no she's going she's, she can just help you oh okay. she just help you with anything you want in life oh, okay. you want more money she'll give you this thing you're gonna make more money yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> She said she provided them with a variety of charms and talismans that would bring them good fortune. Ah, uh, the very generic, yeah. you know. It was through these clients. I love old world magic stuff because it's just like, and this isn't in, even old world. This I know, is I know. That's why it's so. But it's in Malaysia, so it's like <sighs> they probably still have it. In they, they probably states. like. I, I think like listen, New Orleans has a very rich, like which witchcrafty culture i just want to say up front i totally believe witches exist i believe in magic i believe in all that shit uh i don't believe that everyone that says that they do it can do it i just i feel like it would be illogical to say that it's not possible that's just like anything is anything is possible so uh, like but it was through these clients that that Maslin Idris came into contact with Mona. Yeah. And Maslin is a state assemblyman from the constituency of Batu Talan in the state of Pahant. And I had never heard of any of those things. Yeah, neither Because have I. I'm not Malaysian and I've never <laughs> been there. But he was educated in the U- United States, which is a big deal if you, and, yeah. you know, they, yeah. And had ambitions to further his political career and the ruling united malays national organization which is the umno party and umno party is basically the only political party in malaysia until 2018 oh, okay so- every prime minister <laughs> every prime minister who served um in for malaysia until 2018 like last year was from this party this was the only party. there's just like that was not it. a lot of competition apparently no that's until last year they that's, actually that's did insane. get someone from a different party last year i wonder so. how well they've been doing this last year then i don't know someone will tell me <laughs> maybe <laughs> please leave us a message in the comments and let how us know. dare you not know all your po- I, I don't know i barely even know like canadian american politics sometimes I know. there's so much God. going on there is so much there's a going mess on. going on here guys it we is there's a mess you. everywhere it's just messy everywhere. Yep. Government, there is no government that's got it together. So Mohammed and Mona promised Maslan by giving him a talisman consisting of a cane and spot, spot me, which is an amulet, um, which was supposed supposedly owned by former Indonesian President Sukarno. Basically, it was like, this belonged to a powerful person. This used to belong to a powerful person, and their energy is still in the stone. If you put this on your face, it'll burn it. If you kiss the stone every night, you'll you'll obtain their energy. Exactly. That's exactly how it goes. So Mona somehow convinced Maslan that when he held a talisman, it would make him invincible. Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> this is turning out real well oh my gosh and <laughs> what does this idiot do in return maslin would only have to pay her 2.5 malaysia 2.5 million malaysian ringgits oh my god what which is, is that? 971 thousand u.s dollars in 1993 oh my god so basically so conver- basically a hundred thousand dollars yeah i no no 
$971,000, almost a million dollars. So, okay, so US. almost a million dollars in for an invisible, invincibility yes. pendant or uh, staff. And um, this was in 1993. I actually did like the conversion then because it was available yeah. for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because Google's amazing. Yeah. I had to do it by myself because I had been like, convert. Uh, yeah, no, I had, I did that too. I did that too. <laughs> so Maslin paid um, upfront 500,000 ringgit and gave them 10 land titles Jesus. as a bond for the remaining 2 million. Basically, like, Damn. you prove it, you know, yeah. yeah. But we'll give you this land. Yeah. So <laughs> they're going to fucking run out for the money, man. That's a lot of money. For the whole ritual to work, an appointment was. Uh, made for a cleansing ritual that was going to be performed on July in in July in 1993. We don't know exactly what day happened. It's kind of like iffy, yeah. but um, with the help of the couple's assistant, who I don't know, if it's Hurami. I'm gonna say Hurami Hassan. Maslan was laid on the floor with his eyes closed. Ooh. Don't close your eyes, guys. No, don't lay on some stranger's floor and close <laughs> no, their not eyes. Not strangers. When this they're is gonna a shaman. When they're gonna cleanse you, you know, and make you invincible. You close your eyes for Do you a know massage? how you become invincible? You die. Then yeah. nobody can hurt you ever again. Because you're dead. <laughs> you know, depends on how you see day. She basically, he basically just paid someone a million dollars to kill him. Yes. Oh my gosh. He was told okay. to wait for the money to fall from the sky. Uh, yeah, he's about to fall from the sky. While Mona placed flowers on his body. Oh. Then Hirami, her assistant, chopped off Maslan's head what? with an axe. Holy shit. Okay, that escalated <laughs> so quickly. Because here I am, like, okay, okay. So Close they're, your they're eyes. putting on these. I was thinking something was going to go wrong. And then you chop off his and head. Then, and then you just chop off. Oh, Invincible. my gosh. And so. Okay. <laughs> Ta-da! You're invincible. Um, in the, there was a movie that's made about this. And in it, they said, like, like they try to play it off, like, well, we had to check if he was. <laughs> I'm not supposed to laugh, but it was so fucking That ridiculous. is funny. Listen, like, oh that is a good answer. It escalated so quickly. It did escalate so quickly. I really, like, I really thought it was going to be like they were going to try to do something and maybe something went wrong. Uh, no, you chopped, there's nothing going wrong when you chop off his head with an axe. No. That was intentional. So the only logical thing to do at this point <laughs> is um, all three started to dismember the body. <laughs> and partially skinned Maslin. Ew, why? Because well, it's witchcraft. Of the body, you know? Yeah, I just don't know why they would partially skin him. Well, there was, I, there was they speculation ate they ate it. Yeah. So. It's, it's, yeah it's speculation. Like that, I think that partially skinning was a reason why yeah. there was speculation that they, they ate it. Yeah, because they're like, what'd they do with this strip of skin? Mm -hmm. They made a bacon and egg sandwich. Or they, maybe they used it as binding for a book because there's that one book that's Ooh. bound by human skin somewhere. Yeah. So, so Maslin had been reported missing on July 2nd, 1993, after he had withdrawn 300,000 ringgit from a bank. And I'm pretty sure I'm saying that, like, money name wrong, but oh well. I mean, he it sounds... Ringgit? Yeah, ringgit. Ringgit. Ringgit up. He had missed several UMNO functions, which caused concern, obviously, and mm -hmm. triggered the missing person's report. Well, he's probably, he's missing. Yeah, like, he's a pretty important guy. 
Yeah. After a murder, you can't just go around killing. You're gonna, really you're gonna want to look up a picture after I tell you what happens because it's so creepy. Oh no. So after the murder, everyone went on as if nothing had happened because yeah, the money Mona and Mohammed received were reportedly used to buy a Mercedes Benz, a shopping spree, and a facelift for Mona. She looks fucking terrifying. Um, super super scary. Um, the police were perplexed and had no leads on the murder until they got really lucky. A couple of days after the murder, Huremi was picked up by the police for a drug offense. Ooh. And probably while he was high on something, he was like, oh, yeah, I killed Maslin. I, we killed Maslin. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> and the police are like, oh. are you arresting me for that? Oh, what were you arresting? Yeah. So um, about that guy I killed. Harami then reportedly led the police to the storeroom Ooh, where shit. Maslan's body was buried. Ooh. Maslan's body was buried in 18 parts. And some reports said that all of his body parts were not present, which speculated that they yeah. ate some of his body parts. Well, yeah, because um, if you're going to have like 98% of it there, yeah. where's the other it's 2%? Enough. Well, the skin is delicious, maybe. It's I in the know. toilet. So apparently human skin is the most delicious. The skin or meat? The skin. Oh, okay. At least that's what that dude said a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So the murder had allegedly occurred between 10 p.m. and 12 midnight on July 18th, 1993, which was confusing because he was reported missing on July 2nd. So that's why I didn't really know when he was murdered or yeah. what was going. Uh, they called them captive. Like, yeah, what like, did they do for sixteen days? They just know. cleansed them for sixteen days. Who I knows? mean, they tried really hard, and they're like, you know what? Forget, just kill him. Yeah, maybe. So Mona, Mohammed, and Harami were arrested on July twenty second, nineteen ninety three. Like officially arrested. Yeah. They were tried in Temerlo High Court by seven by a seven person jury, and it was during this trial process that Mona was fucking batshit crazy <laughs> with her strange behaviors. What was she, she doing? She would constantly appear cheerful, smiling, and posing for press photographers. Of course like she is. You know, because like she's, she's a pop to, star. Yeah, like she's Look going to like a premiere I'm or something. Famous. She would also dress for court dates in bright, colorful dresses. Yeah, I would. I probably would too. And she would also would remark like, "Looks like I have many fans." Yeah, she's a uh, wow. Like, she's a piece of work. Yeah, and then you can find her picture. That's how you spell her name. Mona Fandy. If you look her up, she looks terrifying. The facelift did not not make her look. <gasps> yeah. She looks crazy. Oh my god, she was so beautiful. And though. then she went crazy. And then like what that facelift went on? crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. She has like okay, so it's uh, I'm getting like the smile on her face reminds me of uh, the nose people from uh, Beetlejuice. Oh yeah, because you know? the way that it yeah. like it, the it's smile terrifying. is too big. Yeah, it's too big and the, for and her, her cheeks face, are and none of her skin moves. Yeah. And it's very translucent, and she looks terrified. But like she used to be. Like, she was, like, so, so beautiful. Yeah, and then she got the facelift. And then she was like, I'm a witch doctor. And she just, well, she's 40, so she's just like, oh, I have to look young, I guess. 
Yeah. So anyway, there is a lot of pressure. The trial. No, I think she just went crazy. Well, no, there is a lot of pressure of like, there is forty. Better start. But I mean, Asian people don't start. We don't start wrinkling like that badly when we're forty. I think she just lost her mind a little bit there. Well, she was. She was clearly. there was something a little off. Or oh, the for one. sure something. You don't usually murder people for. No, no, you don't usually murder yeah, people. Yeah, you usually don't. <laughs> so I think something's already a little off yeah. about you to begin with. The trial took 65 days and 75 witnesses were interviewed. That's the reason why it took so long. I think they had to, like, yeah. they had to talk to every person who she's ever witch doctored yeah. for or shamaned for. Yeah. It reportedly took jury less than. 70 minutes to reach a unanimous verdict of they're fucking guilty yeah <laughs> and all three we just of- sat through so many days of all this testimony but we were from the very beginning we're like she fucking, she fucking did, did it, it. Like, yeah like, we'll like, listen to this i know I it's probably messed up but i mean look at her yeah she's um she's crazy so all three of them were sentenced to death by hanging Ooh. after hearing the verdict Mona reportedly said, I'm happy and thank you to all Malaysians. Like she accepted an award. Oh my God. She probably was so, looking at it where she was. She was like, I'm going to be fit. This is how I'll be famous um, now. She was photographed oh. smiling as all those pictures you've seen as she was led away from yeah, the prison. With that creepy the smile. The creepiest smile. Unsettling. The file, they filed for an appeal in 1999, which was rejected. And then they sought to obtain a pardon from the pardons board of Pahang, who refused the request. They're like, no, you're hanging. That's yeah. it. On Good a night day. before their execution, the murderers were given their last meal of KFC. <gasps> KFC. That's I would- their last meal. I don't know if they get to choose or if that's just the last meal you well, get. Well, what would your last meal be? Be Korean barbecue. Because, you know what? I really love KFC Twister sandwiches. And I think I would actually probably want that to be my I want like a whole I wouldn't spread. Complain. No one's going to give me that. I'm going to be like, give me a whole spread of like Korean I want. I stuff. want a Korean, yeah, feast. like a Korean feast. Yeah. A feast that you would have give a Korean princess on her 16th birthday back in 1264 BC. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to eat. Even though some of them were kind of just treated as like, well, you're just getting sold to that yeah. family. Yeah. So or that we some can of us money. Get, yeah. They get sold to nothing. companies. Yeah. But you're a princess, so you, you get the feast instead of being... Feasted. I don't even know if they get to really Feasted. eat that much. You're supposed to keep your figure <laughs> too, right? So yeah. Well, I mean, back in the day, they were a little bit more like King. Loose I want to be fed figures. like King Henry. You know, yeah. like when he was just. I just want to eat. Yeah, eat till I die. They were also allowed to meet their family one last time, which I think is at least they get that right. I suppose. So I mean, Mona Mohammed. The other pe- that that guy didn't get to see his family one last time. No, but usually when you do death penalty stuff, that's what they you do. Yeah. So Mona Mohammed and Huraimi were hanged on November third, two thousand one, at Kajong Prison pre-dawn. It was also reported that Mona's last words, because she really had to go out, was "Aku takan mati," which means "I will never die." With a smile on her face. Oh Imagine that. She, and she probably, she probably kept that smile the entire time Imagine she was being that. Yeah, like, like just, oh, oh no, I don't want to. Now I am. Oh, that's gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have a night, Angela. I'm gonna text you tomorrow morning and tell you all about the the nightmare I had of like because you know what I'm picturing. Did you watch um oh that fucking Netflix? Horror I just imagined show. the Joker got hanged. That's actually how I imagine it. 
the the house on haunted hill okay because there was this (laughs) there was a character in the show and where she had been hanged and her head was like this and she was like and i pictured her head sideways with the big Big ass like black dahlia size smile it's uh, just the way she smiles reminds me of the black dahlia yeah that's kind of terrifying yes it's too big yeah so put a the, smile on your face the trials had apparently been so dramatic and tr- turbulent that led the government to decide to discontinue trial by jury because they were like you know what i don't even think normal people really? should have to- yeah it's weird and it was abolished the whole system was abolished january 1st 1995 that's weird yeah that's really weird well now i'm really interested about what happened on those 70 whatever days because like or how many days they were uh because for them to have to abolish they were like, just like no we're not doing this again like that's how bad it was that's crazy mm-hmm. um in 2006 a film called the dukun was made based on mona's story and by based i mean so loosely based that when i read the plot for it i was like this is you took like random parts like so it was just a pop star pizzas. that became a witch doctor yeah and then that's it <laughs> that's but then it. they were very sympathetic to her yeah like as if she, but that's why i said like in the movie they were like oh they had to test it out and i was like oh my god that's, that's so weird crazy. that's weird um the release was postponed due to high profile murder case and the controversial nature of the film yeah but it was finally released in 2018 and it's so loosely based on a murder yeah. that I wouldn't even say based. It was just, they took, like, the body was chopped into 18 parts. That's, and there's three of them. And she yeah. was a pop star. I mean, that's. Okay. I mean. I don't even think she was a pop star, actually, in the movie. It was just. The, she was the, just famous? Not even. Just, mm. she was a, she was she a, was just a person. witch doctor. She was a shaman. So that's Interesting. Cool that's really. So that's my wow. story. Thank I don't you. even remember how I ended up finding the story. <laughs> Who cares? That is pure gold. Just because so, that, Well, the picture really got me. As soon as I saw yeah. her, I was like, well, this is it. This Dude, is if it I saw me. that face, I'd be like, yeah. Yep. Here we go. Doesn't matter if I can't speak her name. It's fine. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. That no was... problem. That's great. We're going all around the world. We are going all around the world. Uh, all right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys, to another one of our episodes. Uh, leave a comment. Send a like. Uh, a review email email keep dying at gmail.com uh follow yeah we're on everything yeah we're on most social medias we're mostly on instagram right yeah basically we mostly active but Um, if someone like tweets at us i'll respond to it someone facebook comments i'll see it yeah we had uh we had jody Plouch. He, he even correct, not, he, he even corrected. he it's, even tell, told us how to say it and i don't i don't have it in front of me but we had um we had uh yeah he tweeted at us so and then we had billy fucking jensen like something of ours on instagram that really made my day that really excited so, me but, some people actually care about us yeah. and we appreciate it it uh really for me it would like put a lot of pressure where it was like oh my god no these are real people we're talking about and like as much as i'm like yeah these are real and then people. you were like riding in your head like did it say something offensive at yes some point? i really hope like oh my gosh i hope i didn't like totally fuck up the story or start lying out my ass Damn. but like i'm sure but here's the thing i'm sure that someone um that has grown up in a situation and that has had so many news articles done on them they're used to people not telling like creating their own version of events yes. you know what i mean 
Um, not that we created our own version of this. That's not what happened. We no, only relay information that other people have already. Procured. But sometimes the information we get may be <laughs> yeah, wrong. Maybe wrong. Fortunately, and people are yeah. more than welcome. Please correct us if we're saying something wrong. I would like to be better and and know better. But yeah, uh, we hope you guys are still alive next week. Don't die. Don't die. Bye. Bye.